0: Oh, hi. Didn't see you there.
1: I was too busy chilling in my casa. But I suppose I could spare some time for the podcast of the lower seas today. I'm your host, Connor, joined by Dan. Hi, guys. We had a transformative experience over the weekend. We saw our guy in the Barbie movie, which, and I can't believe I'm saying these words. Never thought I'd say that working here. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about Barbie today, which is going to be kind of strange. Uh, What else are we talking about again? Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy? Oh,
2: some, yeah, some some silly topics like uh, Vivek B- B- Ramaswamy. Vivek, you could at least pronounce the guy's name Vivek. right if you like him. The, the, the guy needs a nickname, like Vic or something. Because he, he's going to yeah. get a nickname, somebody's going to give him a nickname sooner or later, so he might as well pick mm. one. Yep. And, and then uh, um,
1: Absolute Zero, how they're immiserating us yes. by, by saying net zero is somehow not enough. Brilliant. Wonderful. Um, without further ado, let's jump into the topics then. Why not? Yep. So White Women's Black Panther came out. Yes, I did steal that joke from a tweet. The Barbie movie released, much to my joy because the theatre was packed with lots of pretty blonde women wearing pink and also us, the Lotus Eaters, went and saw it. Now, not most of the hosts, it was most of the the back team. You can see the photo on Twitter where I'm grimacing because I'm surrounded by baby pink and inflatable sharks. Uh, But everyone else had a great time and I had a great time watching it because the film was an utter disaster. But they didn't realize what they made. They have no idea that they have made the best propaganda piece for reclaiming masculine vitalism against the matriarchy
2: ever created. So I saw it with a slightly different lens. Because I I went to it thinking, I'm going to watch this to see, is it something I could show my daughters? Because I've got two daughters in the target age range. No. no. So I was looking at the first level dynamics. But actually, when I saw that you were going to do a segment on it and you've come with this base narrative. Yes. There is a sort of subtext going on that actually on a second viewing, I think I could quite get into. Oh, it's
1: accidentally. Because Ken
2: really is kind pissed. of our guy, isn't he? Ken,
1: Ken is, as the Ryan Gosling go- meme goes, literally me. So, <laughs> so my, my editor at The Critic has coined the term, because John Doyle put out a tweet saying that he was yeah. going to do a Ken video, because he already did neo-Gastonism after Beauty and the Beast. We're right. saying that Beauty and the Beast, Gaston is actually the hero, of course. Because if right. you're in 17th century France, yes. who do you want? It's the noble hunter who makes friends with all the men in the village, yes. who uh, palms off the advances of harlots, and actually just wants to settle down and give you a lot of sons and kill yes. the giant werewolf threatening the town. Oh well, I got that the first time I watched it. Yeah, know, most 19- people didn't. So 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 he nicked neo-Gastonism because I would have right. loved to have made that interpretation, but well done, John Doyle. And then John Doyle said something about about Ken, and I said neo-Kennonism, and instead my my editor at the critic said no neo-Kenservatism. That is the Kennergy we are going with today. Ken <laughs> Ken is our guy. And I've seen lots of conservatives say that the Barbie movie is woke. It's awful. It tries to be. But don't let them get away with their propaganda. Because if they screw up and accidentally make something we can claim, we will claim it. Don't give an inch. That's so it is doing. definitely
2: trying very, very hard yes. to be woke. Yeah. But it's made by
1: such incompetence. They yeah. don't
2: even know what they're talking about. Yeah, but they kind of did it accurately to the point where it actually displays all the weaknesses of woke as well. Yeah. Which I'm sure you're going to get into. Yep. Where, yeah. Yeah. And, and no, no
1: transphobia in this segment, Dan, because we want it to go on YouTube, even though the Barbie movie is very transphobic. Yeah, actually it is. It really, really is. Actually, Yeah, we'll jump into that. Don't worry. But first, speaking of uh, relationships which failed and benefited the sane man at the expense of the insane woman, if you subscribe to our website, you'll get articles like this one with a narration track from uh, John Crow. This is an article I wrote while I was away in America. Lovely. And it was on uh, Jonah Hill and Why Men Can't Marry Mermaids. I saw this wonderful painting in the Harvard Art Gallery and thought, well, that's probably how Jonah Hill's feeling this week, considering his ex leaked a bunch of texts that he sent, where he was perfectly reasonable and she was like, I want to post nudes on the internet. So they broke up. And the thing with mermaids is the wrong half is fish. That's exactly what I say. Right. So it, try and have a relationship with a beautiful woman that posts herself half naked on social media. It's about sterile as trying to shag a mermaid. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the Barbie movie. Um there was some stuff before before it released. Uh so there was some there was some woke stuff which is that right before the film came out in the trailer and this was in a scene in the film, you know where Weird Barbie pulls down the map to the real world. Right. The map on it showed a dividing line in the South China Sea. So It shows the nine-dash line, and that's the Chinese Communist Party saying that they own part of the South China Sea that Vietnam says is just off its coast. In 2014, Vietnam nearly got into an armed conflict with China because China plopped an oil rig right off of their coast, and so it's been banned in Vietnam because they're pandering to the Chinese market to try and get the Chinese. Uh, People did point out that it's really funny that Oppenheimer is not banned in Japan, but this is banned in... I also saw plenty of memes, I'm not stealing these, where they said that bar- one of Barbie's first products also launched in Japan,
2: so did Oppenheimers. And I was just kind of impressed that we've got some blonde white people featuring in a film that's coming out these days. Yes, yeah. But it was it was to
1: denigrate the Kens, and there were yeah. very diverse cast members, but the fascinating thing yeah. about the Barbie and Ken casting, uh, one, it's totally fine to objectify men at all levels and make yes. them just himbos. And all of the men were fit and in shape. Now, they were various degrees of of effeminate and masculine, but that was part of the parody. Whereas all of the Barbies, you were allowed to be as grotesquely obese, dysgenic, and mutilated as you liked. Um, So the Barbies were very egalitarian in Life is Plastic, but all the Kens had to be shredded chads. That's also true. Physiognomy bears out, it turns out. So speaking of woke... These are the people behind it. Uh, Greta Gerwig was the director. Yeah. Greta Gerwig did Little Women
2: and Lady Bird. So I, ha- I didn't know who directed it, but it was very clear watching it that it was directed by a childless, Californian, obese woman.
1: No. So she is, she is skinny. She is married to another California director, the guy that did Marriage Story, and she does oh. have two kids. Wow. Yes. Okay. She's also directing this, this new Snow White film. Have you seen Snow White's New Dwarves? Is, is that
2: one where Terry Crews is Snow White? Um, you're not far off, actually. Right. So these are the dwarves. Well, only one of them's a dwarf? Yes, do you know why?
1: Uh, uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, you know. Yes. Yeah, he he said it's um really dwarf phobic to cast dwarves as the seven dwarves, even though he's made an entire career of multiple millions of dollars playing a dwarf. Wait, wait, he he's pulling the ladder up behind him? It's a very short ladder. <laughs> but yes, he is. These are the Dwarves, again, audio listeners, we've just been confusing the audio listeners for this entire podcast, I'm sure Uh, you wouldn't have understood the intro if you're an audio listener. But we have three black people, two male and one female, one dwarf who might only have one arm, judging by the photo, Uh, Jesus is in the back, and then two white men. So there's three white men, four white men if you count one of the dwarves, that's taken a job away from six dwarves right not great uh, that's not Snow White that's her stunt double right. but the real Snow White doesn't look far off it's, okay. it's Rachel Zegler and Rachel Zegler is a Hispanic woman so but the, the whole thing with Snow White is, is like white yes yeah. as white as Snow. Snow Snow not quite white I mean right. you, you probably yeah. shouldn't make skin complexions to dirt or anything comparisons because that would be very racist you shouldn't do that Right. so we'll skip over that bit but it is the character but okay fine yeah yeah so, so it's been written by Greta Gerwig um, and it will not feature Prince Charming and instead focus on a stronger Snow White who dreams of becoming a leader. And, and she says that people are making jokes about Oz being the PC Snow White. It is, because it needed that. Now, that's, that's Rachel Ziegler, who, who gave an interview about Snow White yeah. with the woman playing the Evil Queen. You know the Evil Queen that's really jealous of Snow White's youth and looks? Yes. Would you like to see what Snow White and then the Evil Queen look like? Yeah, go on then. What, seriously? <laughs> yes. So, so-, so Gal Gadot is playing the Evil Queen, who's jealous of but mid-white but she's much much hotter <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so in this um, Rachel Ziegler says it's not 1937 Snow White's not going to be saved by the prince and she's not going to be dreaming about true love she's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be like her late mother so it's all about power and domination not gender complementarity not wholesome family values and that's just like Barbie so Greta Gerwig has a, has a track record okay. here um not, not going to be how she, how she plans it out. There's also more pre-release discourse. Speaking of mid, uh, are you aware of this that happened recently? So this is, this is a, an Anon account I quite enjoy following. Right. Um, I must disavow all of his takes, including this one, where he said that Margot Robbie's a hard seven. You used to find a Margot Robbie in every Blockbuster video in 1995.
2: Well, I used to go to Blockbuster videos in 1995, and.
1: Not Margot Robbie? No. No, no, no. no. Um, this, this got 31.8 million views on a single tweet. And it got to the point of where at the Turning Point Action Conference, uh, Florida Congressman Matt Gates got up and said, let me just be clear, Margot Robbie is not mirrored A 10 is a 10, whether it's common core math or not. Sitting congressman is commenting on Twitter and on rating Margot <laughs> Robbie's level of attractiveness. I love where politics has got to. He was just a troll in the first place. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's doubled down on it because have you seen those memes recently? It's mainly featuring Zendaya or that, that Zegler yeah. woman that's playing Snow White yeah. where this is who Hollywood wants us to think is a model yes. versus like random cashier and she's yeah. smoking. Those those continue. Yeah. to you. But Margot Robbie doesn't really fit that, that category i mean it literally no. in the barbie film they say when margot robbie's saying i'm not pretty anymore helen mirren's narration cuts in and says note to the directors casting margot robbie in this role may not have been the person to make this point that you would hope
2: to be fair margot robbie in um whatever it is the big Wolf, short was wall street yes
1: yes you're thinking of we can't show that scene yeah. i'm sorry um it's out there enjoy
2: yeah,
1: yeah. anyway you creepy old perv it turns out that that Matt Gates and his wife are actually big Barbie fans. And so they went to, this is a, an Aspen Ideas festival um, party thing. It wasn't actually the premiere, but they decided to dress up in a Barbie theme because it was Barbie themed, because it coincided. And this is where I'm going to start complaining that the Conservatives take on this. I mean, Lauren Chen, friend of the show, she did a video where it said it's woke feminist messaging. And that's definitely how they try to do it, right? Uh, Matt Gaetz's wife says that disappointingly low testosterone from Ken and then Ben Shapiro did a 43-minute interview where he destroys Barbie by being a grown man that torches Barbie toys. I mean, I understand Ben's having a little bit of fun he's playing into the character. Okay. And he's right on some of his criticisms here. But I think all of the conservative influencers that have commented on this film have missed the point. Because, yes, that's what the movie was going for. The movie was trying to denigrate men. This is the take you got, right? That it was just disparaging men endlessly.
0: Well,
2: that, I mean, that is the surface-level take. I mean, there was bits of it that I started to think, Actually, that's really quite funny if you looked at it from a different perspective. Um, it's quite funny because the normie women that I know went to see
1: it hated the film. They yeah. were like, I'm not going to rewatch it. it oh, make it makes women right. look just pathetic. But the story's incoherent unless you're playing yeah. into the online discourse they're trying to satirise. But they satirise it so yeah. poorly they actually like are pro our side, which is we yes. don't hate men and, and, and
2: chads rise up. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely bits of this. Like, it's like, I, I, are you going to get into the whole kind of story?
1: Yeah, yeah, we, we, may, as well, we may as well break so do, down. I do
2: have some comments on yeah,
1: that. Yeah, we'll, we'll spend quite a lot of time on that. Just just a yeah. bit more preamble. There was a, a kind of sign that things weren't going as the filmmakers intended yeah. in an interview with Greta Gerwig for Rolling Stone. And in this, she explains that one of the scenes that you first see when Barbie and Ken enter the real world, you know when they're rollerblading along Venice Beach? Oh, yes. Barbie is beset by sexism from police officers, from construction workers, from volleyball players. They were filming that scene to say that The world of men, the patriarchy that really exists is constantly assaulting women with sexism and compliments that have, quote, an undertone of violence from all sides. The funny thing is, when they filmed this, it didn't play out that way. So this is a quote from Greta Gerwig. When we were actually shooting on Venice Beach with Margot and Ryan in neon rollerblading outfits, it was fascinating because it was actually happening in front of us. People would go to Ryan, high-five him and say, awesome, Ryan, you look great. And they wouldn't actually say anything to Margot Robbie. They just look at her. It was surreal. In that moment, she felt self-conscious. As the director, I wanted to protect her. Right, so it's sexism if Margot Robbie does and doesn't get compliments. (laughs) But everyone's walking up to Ryan Gosling going, yeah, bro, literally me. And he loves it. And he loves it. And he was humble enough to interact with everyone as well. But Greta Gerwig saying, oh, Margot Robbie's not getting the compliments she deserves? Well, I have to shield her. But as Barbie, if she's getting hit on, oh, this is patriarchy. We must institute the matriarchy instantly. These people's brains are broken with contradictions. And organically, people are playing out and and, and conveying their... Because they only have a single lens to
2: view absolutely everything, whether it fits or not.
1: Yeah, it's about paradigmatic female oppression.
2: Yes, that's what I... If I
1: I don't get my daily need of online or in-person validation, I will cry about it. If I get the validation I don't want, it's literally sexual harassment. Yes. So this is just a sign that they made this movie with an intention and it wasn't quite what they thought. The other sign that it wasn't quite what they thought is, you know the Oppenheimer-Barbie discourse? People have been oh, doubling yeah. up some screenings. Uh, are you watching Oppenheimer by any chance? I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure I will. Right, so I'm not a Chris Nolan fan. I don't really no. like any of his films. So I'm not bothering. So I'm doing the Chad move and only seeing Barbie. Okay. So is everyone in MAGA country. I'm not joking. If you look at the Google Trends by state, um, Barbie is trending in red states, whereas Oppenheimer is trending in blue states. <laughs> this is incredible. And I, I it really is. I, I think it's because this might be the old phrase that liberals read, conservatives watch TV. So conservatives in mm. red states are just going for the normie culture thing they don't realise it's subversive. But then actually they're going and seeing it and will probably identify harder with Ryan Gosling. Whereas everyone that looks, wants to look pretentious is going to go see Oppenheimer for three hours.
2: Yeah, I have read a book on Oppenheimer.
1: I mean, he's an interesting fellow. Yeah. But it's a Chris Nolan film. It's apparently long and overindulgent. Though yeah. I might see it because Florence Pugh gets it. I very much
2: it. get the impression it's going to be one of those films that I admire more than I like.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep, I agree. Uh, Barbie, I liked far more than I would ever possibly admire for yes. all the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. The Barbie, Barbie was kind of fun. I will give it
1: that. I, I, I thought it was profoundly unfunny when they tried to be funny. And then yeah. it was hilarious for all the wrong reasons. So, yes. so I'm just going to pull up the trailer and, and let it sit on in the background and, and play without sound because I just want to talk about the plot right. because this it's such a surreal moment because the film opens and they give this whole spiel about how Barbie has inspired a generation of women. They literally say in the, in the narration, all the problems of feminism were solved by Barbie. Barbie can be anything and all of the other Barbies other than stereotypical Barbie, who's the one that has the well, not midlife crisis. I would, I would say approaching the wall and not being able to have children crisis. That seems to be what it's getting at. Yeah, there. actually that fits. Yes. Considering she's getting cellulite and she yes. goes to the gynecologist at the end of the film and she's inspired by a mother. And the whole press to have the, the normal Barbie is, can we have just have a Barbie that's just a mum? That will sell, right? And the only person that's ostracized of all the Barbies is the one Barbie that got discontinued, which was pregnant all the time. And they say it's weird. But then it comes off like, well, motherhood is denigrated in the in the permanent youth so and career 90% woman and Barbie of this film
2: line. is really
1: anti mother. Yeah, and then the last bit is that's what she picks exactly because there's a whole montage sung over by my wife, Billie Eilish, of home video footage of women being mothers. Yes, and then she goes straight to the gynecologist.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: So she's having an existential crisis about the fact that she can't
2: have children. So she's she's living in a feminist utopia, and when she actually gets the choice, she goes and lives in the patriarchy. Yes. And becomes a mother.
1: Yeah. And it's biologically essentialist as well, because what
2: does she need to become a real woman? She needs to uh, something that involves her going to the gynecologist. Yes. She needs the essential, the
1: essential plumbing. It's very transphobic. How dare you? Yeah. Especially considering they had a trans Barbie, and the trans Barbie was the doctor.
2: Right. Good mm. point.
1: Yeah. Very, very interesting. But, but anyway, during this montage, we see that they have a black female president mm. who is oppressing all of the Kens. Oh yeah, the Kens are incredibly
2: badly treated. In yeah, yeah, they're, they're the lump and proletariat. So all, all, all the Kens, they're basically homeless... And and they just have to look good, and they're they're just there to sate the the desires of, of the barbies. They yeah, just, they're just there. To, I mean, they they literally just live on the beach or on the streets.
1: Yeah, to validate the barbies without ever having any hope of intimacy because they're ultimately yeah. sterile, and they're all aware that they don't have genitals, but they all desperately want them because they feel very embarrassed by it.
2: And as soon as Ken goes to the real world, somebody like just says hi to him and asks yeah. him for the time, and he can't believe that somebody's spoken to him and engaged. Him respect as a him. And the respect yeah. and and the
1: important thing about that as well is that he's offering a woman the time.
2: So that is, he is
1: serving a functional purpose to a woman. Yes. He's not dominating her. Yes. He is needed for, for an earnest reason. Yes, And the fascinating thing is as well, and, and again, if you guys haven't seen this, we're just spoiling the whole film, because I don't actually advise you go out and pay to see it, but it's still hilarious. So when it comes out in streaming, it's, it's probably well worth it. Mm. Um, this, the spoilers, you will not believe what we're saying, but this is word for word exactly what happens. When they go to the real world, there is a montage where Ken looks at horses, various American presidents, men's faces (laughs) on the dollar, men high-fiving in sports teams, Sylvester Stallone in, in mink coats. Yeah. And he suddenly realizes that patriarchy is awesome. Now, it's not patriarchy in the way they think it's patriarchy. Because when he goes to talk to the soyjack that's So, so that bit
2: is going to get mean to hell, I'm oh, sure. Oh,
1: there's going to be so many little dark age yeah. montages. And, yeah. Yeah. When he goes to talk to the guy, the guy says, oh, you need all these credentials. And the guy says, oh, we're, we're still doing patriarchy. We're just doing it more covertly. But they never actually provide any examples of it. Because when he goes to try and get a job, the female nurse just turns him away going, you aren't sufficiently qualified. But when he comes back and says, well, maybe men should be in charge of Barbie land. The Barbies, who are super educated, are suddenly somehow spellbound by by the suggestion of patriarchy into a position of relative subordinancy, but they enjoy it. Well, that's the thing. So when
2: the when the, when they go back to to the Barbie land and the yeah. Kens take over in all of and, five yeah. minutes, by the yeah, way. Yeah. So it goes to show how brittle and fragile the, yeah. the feminist utopia was. But what what do the Kens do? Well, they start they start life bonding with the Barbies. Yep. Yeah. And and they start providing useful functions. They start doing jobs. They start you know um, taking their their Barbie to the beach and, mm. and playing guitar for her or watching a yeah. movie with her or or, or ba- they they start basically pair bonding. They start falling in love. Yeah, and, and and they start providing you know you know
1: value to their community. Yeah, and and they stop competing with each other and stop hating each other all the time. Yes, because then Simu Liu and Ryan Gosling's Ken's become best bros. Yes, and then they go to war only because the Barbies deliberately or sow discord. Cheat on them. By cheating on them. yes, And there's a line where it says, and right when they think they're most powerful, you take it all away. And it's like, right, so you use sex and lies to turn men against yeah. each other, to erect a matriarchy. Because cause basically the world the Kens
2: created, they were doing, they, they were basically providing the, the, the 1950s role, weren't they? I mean, yes. they? They were doing all the work yep. and providing lifetime partnerships to the Barbies. And the Barbies were all perfectly content and happy with this yeah. until they literally grab a Barbie Throwing in the back, Throwing of a back of a van and subjected to a brainwashing session. A
1: feminist struggle consciousness raising session yeah. where they give the Barbie the contradictions of the real world for which yes. the Barbie should have absolutely no frame of reference yes. because if the patriarchy was really non-existent the matriarchy yeah. was perfect in Barbie land, why would they have the contradictions of being
2: a woman out in patriarchy? Yes, and then use that psychological brainwashing to convince the Barbies to cheat on their Ken. Yeah. To, to make the Kens hate each other so that the whole thing collapses.
1: Yeah. So that while while yeah. the election is happening. Oh yeah. The Kens are meant to be changing the constitution. The Kens are too busy infighting, so the Barbies just go in and flood the fortify. ballot. Fortify. They yes. go. They go and fortify yes. the election. Yes. Yeah. Against against the wishes of the newly appointed Supreme Court and all of that. Yes. Which is madness yeah, yeah yeah all right john okay um yeah so it's it's mental yeah it yeah. Uh, just just unbelievable stuff um so when that was also the other thing is when barbie goes to the real world she realizes she's created an entire generation of women who hate her and even though all the other barbies exist where they've got all of these roles she's still the most prominent one and she's created a generation of insufferable teenagers who literally call her uh Uh, the embodiment of sexualized capitalism, rampant consumerism, and a fascist. Yeah. So feminism does not make women as happy as they think it does. And the whole reason that mother was screaming at Barbie towards the end, when Barbie was sitting there going, I'm no longer pretty, I'm useless, the Kens have taken over. She was complaining about all of the contradictions, how you're meant to be, you're meant to stand out, but not go against the sisterhood, how you're meant to work, but you also be a mum. And it's like, right, but that's all problems of feminism. You don't lay at the feet of feminism, whereas all the Barbies until you tell them about the problems feminism created are happy in Kenworld.
2: yeah so so this is the thing so the surface level analysis of this is the entire film is is constructed to say yep. that the interests of men are incompatible with the interests of women and vice versa yes and therefore there can never be harmony between the two yeah it has to be this conflicting struggle so you start the movie with the barbies on top completely yep. suppressing the men even though when it flips the other way the men basically just become husbands and providers and, and both and the barbies. sexes are happy yeah and both sexes are happy yeah exactly but the the film in, in that so this is so the first time I watched it my, my, my impression was okay I don't want to take my girls to see this yeah. because it is it is Putting out this world view that women and men cannot be happy at the same time, yes. unless men are in charge, in which case men and women can be happy at the same time. So, or um, yeah, yeah. But or, they, I'm not sure they would get that at sort of no, nine, especially yeah. not
1: with all the swearing in it as well. There's a needless amount of
2: yeah. gratuitous yeah, there like, was gay
1: jokes and, and yes, yeah, and and Just, yeah, outright nash, ma- yeah. rapping with yeah over yeah. the over the end. the The interesting thing as well is that. Even the narrator recognizes the Kens need a civil rights movement when the matriarchy is reinstantiated, because when the Kens petition for a position on the Supreme Court, the female president goes, maybe a lower appellate court, we'll see. And the narrator chimes in and says, as you can see, there's still a long way to go until the Kens get the same amount of power that women have in the real world. Now,
2: I don't think they understand how that line sounds. But there are women on the Supreme Court. That's exactly the point. Like, this country's had like three women, w- women prime ministers at th- There's point. currently three
1: on the Supreme Court in the States. And so, yeah. so this is why that line doesn't come off as I think they mean it sounds. Because it sounds like it's acknowledging that the Kens don't have anywhere near the level of influence that women do in our world, yes. in their world. So we need a Ken civil rights movement. Yes. That's how the film ends. Well, Kens
2: in their world don't even have ha- homes. No. They're all homeless. No.
1: And, and until- The Kens take over, they take over the houses, and then in the real world, the reflection is the Ken houses sell better to boys and girls. So they're also more profitable, more beloved, and Barbie world is happier. Yes. What were they thinking? (laughs)
0: They thought this
1: was bad. Yeah, this is... It's baffling. (laughs) This this is going to be like one of those films
2: like Starship Troopers.
1: Yeah, exactly. Go and see Carl's old video on Starship Troopers if you don't understand.
2: Because I I watched Starship Troopers at the time and thought, oh, this is fantastic. And it was only like 10 years later I read an article that explained that it was actually meant to be the opposite of what I thought it was. Well, Robert Heinlein wrote the book as the
1: kind of libertarian sci-fi utopia. Then Paul Verhoeven didn't read the book but wanted to make the film as a parody of fascism. So he dressed up all of the libertarian utopia in the fascist uniforms. Right. So he gave it the paraphernalia, but none of the moral content. And then okay. he was like, well, obviously the humans are evil, but, but no, the bugs attacked first, they committed genocide, yes. and
2: the humans are just defending themselves. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard the book is different, but the, but the film was just like, but okay, that was the this, film. This, this is based plus cool uniforms.
1: Yeah, but, but like the film is, the humans are under existential threat from the bugs. He yes. launched an unprovoked attack and killed Rico's entire family. And so, yeah, he signs up. It's like, and, and they're bad? Yeah. Like, the same with Barbie. It's, it's like, the, the Kens are a lobotomized surf class that uh, only exists as as emotional validation cattle for the vapid Barbies who will never allow them to stay the night. And they also have no frame of reference for sex, yet make all these sex jokes. Bad writing. And then the moment the Kens ascend and show some competency, other than the one joke you put in there about building a wall vertically because you wanted to take a shot at Trump, The women are happier. Even the president is happier serving beers to her boyfriend on a beach. Things are working better. In the real world, it's more profitable. And the only person that comes in and destroys it are one weird Barbie who got played with too hard, who wrote the film, by the way, and is a lesbian that gives Barbie the Birkenstocks. And actual Barbie, who's a vapid narcissist, who falls over and cries because her boyfriend dumps her because she didn't recognize him, and then said, the entire world must change around me, and still isn't yes. happy when Barbie society gets fixed the way she wants it. So then she abandons it, stops being Barbie, and goes and bees a mum.
2: Yes, that's the thing, isn't it? So, so you, you've got this feminist utopia, and Ken sees the real world and starts to recognize that actually men have value. Yes. So he goes back, and he basically reconstructs society overnight. Yeah. Everybody's happier yes um he he actually does something and then all the kens they start doing stuff right yes. but then but then barbie comes back like you say and she just collapses on the floor and basically bangs her fists up and down and says somebody fix this for me and then the other thing is well the kens
1: despite calling it patriarchy aren't dominating the women no, All, They're just helping them Like they pathologize it Saying yeah. a woman comes And sits down next to a guy And says I've never seen The Godfather Can you explain it He's so eager to share An experience with her Or your analogue cal- character In the 10 gallon hat Giving her investment advice You know <laughs> oh, oh,
2: it's like the But, but so- the point is That they are They are very obviously happy They are The yeah. Barbies are glowing At this point they're, they're, they're perfectly content And they gave them The right to vote It's not like they
1: yeah. came in And took the government By force They just convinced them To do this And then they said In two weeks time We'll vote Vote Not, not a fascist takeover they gave them the option. And they had to yes. they so, so
2: they had to stop the Kens from going to the polls to re-erect them. So, so so they actually achieved a, a a a democracy. Yes. An equal democracy. And then with the, gender the, complementarity. Yes. And then the feminists arrived and immediately instituted a fascist takeover. Yes. And then didn't allow the Ken. By fortifying to the election. Him. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then and then the ending. In fact they use, they used sluttery. Yeah. to distract the Kens long enough
2: to go and fortify the election.
1: And their beta male orbiter as well, because remember Alan? There's yes. There's only one of them, and he is the enabler. Yeah. And then at the end, he's crying because he sees Ken crying because actually he just wanted to sleep with Ken the whole time.
2: I must have phased out by that point.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. But then, but then the ending for Ken, and this is the subversive part of the film, yeah. is that men and women have to exist apart. Either men are subordinate to women and really emotional, or Ken can go off and find himself without Barbie. Now, that is, that is obviously meant to be, well, men need feminism and men need to come back and realize that patriarchy is wrong and then they might be worthy of acceptance. Right. And sometimes a woman might not just choose you and it's okay. No, no, no. Ken had a lucky break, my friend, because that was the worst Barbie out of the lot. She's gone. She's gone off to the real world. Yeah. He understands how the government and how society should work. So he deserves a better girl. Ken is our yeah. guy. And he had the best musical number in the whole thing. Easily. But like, I don't know if you've seen the edit yet, but there is currently an edit of Patrick Bateman walking into the office with, you know, walk, uh, walking on sunshine yeah. playing as is, but instead it's the I am Ken and, and I'm enough song. It's just, it's gold. Like, they, they don't know what film they made. Not, not even the slightest.
2: Yeah, because it is, I mean, they have unintentionally created an advert for patriarchy.
1: Yes, they've, they've created, and, and so I saw someone make this as a, as a meme, but I wanted to explain this concept. Are you familiar with what the longhouse is?
2: I think I am actually.
1: So for those yeah. who aren't, it comes from it's an analogy that comes from a uh, gay Romanian Anon author called Bronze Age Perva. And his analogy imbibes some like proto-feminist anthropology. The longhouse didn't really exist, but he's taken a uh, feminist idea that there were Nordic longhouses where men and women were sat on the floor and dictated to like infants from the yeah. Den mother. And he said this is all of civilization where your behavior is controlled there's no room for violence and you have to constantly comply otherwise you don't get fed And so, so
2: for those listening we're, we're displaying a picture of literally a long nordic house so it's a yes. sort of large sort of great hall but it's very long yes. obviously therefore the name long house my understanding is 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 that basically everybody lived in it it was, it was not divided into rooms no. so it was all open so we, it was subject to um, constant oversight, surveillance, and monitoring, yes, which led to a society which became organized, long, basically, um, feminine values. Yeah, the smothering because, mother. Smothering mother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it was essentially an attempt to snuff out all male vital energy. Yes.
1: How is that not Barbie Land?
2: Yes, that is. And so,
1: Barbie yes. unintentionally gave us the tragedy of coming so close to the fall of the Longhouse yes. with gender parity. For complementarity and well-being, yes. while also being somewhat still free, yes. and
2: sex and lies ruined it. So, so this is—I this, mean, this is the, the sort of the tragedy of the Barbie itself. Because, of course, only one Barbie has actually ever seen anything outside of it. Yeah. So so she I mean she she just accepts the world that she's in at the beginning. And then she sees the yep. real world. Then she goes back and discovers that actually now all the Barbies and Ken's are pair bonding and, and there's there's now gender equality. Yeah. She hates it because she's sort of programmed to hate it and that weird um, psycho in the hills, that weird, weird Barbie. Barbie yeah. yeah, yeah. She 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 says, okay, well, we need to brainwash people until we get we get back to our sort of fascist state before. Yep. And as soon as Barbie achieves it, she realizes, oh, what have I done? Get me out of here yep. and, and goes to live in a world run by men again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, at one point they literally say you're either weird or you're ugly. There's no in-between. And it's like, right, so you're either a miserable matriarchal lesbian that oppresses men. Yes. Or, or, uh, sorry, no, you're brainwashed or you're ugly. That was it. So, or, or you're brainwashed by the patriarchy and and what, happy with a husband? Yeah.
2: Right. Okay. I know which one I prefer. So, I totally get what you're saying. I don't think anyone should take their Young daughters to see this no. because because the bits we're discussing, like because because you got the you got the bit right at the end, which basically shows um you know what I what I just said, which is she wants to get out of this, yes. and you get the unintentional deconstruction of feminism and and it's sh- it's an advert for patriarchy, yeah. But the the main part of the movie, the biggest part of the movie, and the most simplistic messaging, the bit that children would pick up on, is that women and men cannot live together yeah. unless one of them is in charge and dominating the other one, yes. So. For God's sakes, don't take children to no. see this. No. Who this
1: is? This is the weird thing. Who is it marketed for? Because it's obviously marketed at weird Arrested Development adults yes. and feminists. But the whole marketing campaign was very kid friendly. Yes. So. Yeah, this it's not a kids' movie, is it? No, it's not it's even just remotely. Not. I mean they they say not mother. rating they, is it? They say you... mother effer on it, don't they? It's yes. it's twelve A. So you can take kids to it, but it's obviously right. not made for kids. Yes. it's made for Greta Gerwig and the weird lesbian woman Kate McKinnon who plays weird. Boy. Well, as
2: you're pointing out, it's it's actually made for Republicans because they're the ones going to see it and they're it's finding it us. hilarious.
1: Yes. It's, it's literally like Ryan Gosling's our guy. It, yeah. is the, it is the tragic fall of a hero who almost ended the reign of Longhouse. And so... Yes, it is I'll, a tragedy, isn't it? I'll wrap this segment up by basically saying it's, it's akin to American Psycho or Starship Troopers. Um, don't left, let the left have this. Gloat, because it's our film. Enjoy.
0: Cool.
2: Should we talk about... Um, let's talk about Vivek. Vivek. Rama- v- Vivek? He gets particular about that. V- Vivek Ramaswamy. Yes. Well, he should just have a bloody... He should have a nickname. Let's call him Vickle or something. Because he, he's... He, oh, well, anyway, he's got a complicated name, but yes. I think he's actually an interesting character. Yeah, he was on Timcast the day after me, so I'm gutted I didn't get to meet him. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Because um, I, I know people in our circles, I mean, they're, they're, they're all about sort of Trump, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, let's just put it back to Trump. Um, I like Trump... A lot. Mm. I completely get why people are behind the whole Trump thing. But, uh, and he did do something remarkable. I mean, he did break, effectively, the fourth wall. We see yep. the globalists. We see the media. We see the elite class, what they really are now. The emperor has no clothes. Yes. And Trump did that for us. Yes. So I unironically believe he should be on Mount Rushmore mm. because it would just annoy the libs even further. But he, he did a genuine service. He, 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 he did the emperor's new clothes thing, like you say. But he also has very big failures. Yeah. Appointing
1: Anthony back on. Fauci, the yes. stimulus spending under COVID. Well he's still very much pro the you know the thing in the arm. Yeah. Even um, now. Allying with Lindsey Graham, appointing Jared Kushner. Well that's the, the other thing. He's,
2: he's got an he's got an awful um, friend enemy radar. So so yeah, like you say, pro Kushner, but he fired Steve Bannon.
1: Yeah.
2: Who Well
1: actually he reunited with him recently at the Sound of Freedom oh, good. uh screening. So and yeah. and he's because of that film yeah. screening, he said he wants to give the death penalty to child traffickers based.
2: That is good, but, he, but he, he, he did boot out Bannon and, and bring in people yep. like, oh, the bloody moustache man. John Bolton. Uh, yes, so, so, he, so his idea of friend-enemy enemy, distinctions is basically who's sucking up to him at the time yep. rather than telling him the hard truth, so I don't like that at all. And also, he hung people out to dry, like Michael Flynn. And yes. there's not just Michael Flynn. He's the most prominent example, but there was a whole bunch of people. Well, The January 6th protesters who he could yes. have pardon before he left, but instead he went with
1: Kodak Black and yes. doubled down on criminal justice reform with Kim yeah.
2: Kardashian. But like I mean, if 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 Trump, I mean, this wouldn't happen, but if Trump offered me a job, I would just say no because I know that the establishment would come after me mm. and then they would tie me up and I would basically lose everything in legal fees and he wouldn't lift a finger to help. And it wasn't just Flynn. It was a whole bunch of people who he let down. Um, and the other thing is, you know, he wraps himself in the rainbow flag. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't like that. He And he constantly deferred to the left and he let them slow him down massively. So it's like, oh, you want an inquiry into this? Okay, well, let, let's spend like... 40% of my time engaging with your bloody inquiry into your made-up nonsense. So, also didn't send in the Federal Guard to crack down on the George yeah, Floyd riots. He's uh, got a lot of boomer assumptions because he gets all of his news from the TV, even yes. though he's getting it from Fox News. It's still TV. Is well, it's Fox a, News. It's just containment. Yeah, exactly. And, and a, bear in mind,
1: I actually really like Trump. I just have yeah. major criticisms of his first term.
2: Yeah, so... Exactly. So, so I'm I'm on board all of that. If if Trump is elected um, as if Trump is a nominee next time round, yep. I'll be extremely happy. Even though I think that the FBI will basically just take over the count.
1: Well, he, he is hoping to do Schedule F and get rid of them all. Mm. But that's if he wins the most safe and secure election of all time the second time round.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I have concerns about that. So so that's why I've sort of been been thinking more broadly about this. Um, there's DeSantis, of course. No, but I've, I've... <laughs> no. Just a flat note, I've only ever seen him in in the TV soundbite format. No,
1: okay. So so, uh, signed a hate speech bill, which applies to Florida citizens while in Israel. Uh, Recently has made lots of blunders with AI deepfakes of Trump hugging Anthony Fauci and falsifying his voice and not acknowledge their deepfakes. And also has done campaign ads recently. Which one of them was very funny, but it's terminally online. The most recent one had the Black Sun and Ukrainian soldiers marching at the end to an image of DeSantis uh, yeah, so he's committing yeah. campaign suicide, and I don't trust that his giant war chest from the establishment isn't going to compromise him on foreign policy
2: yeah, okay, um I haven't seen enough from DeSantis yet to really know how the guy thinks because he's because he's just doing the t v stuff and you can't tell what people want what people are like from 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 the sound bites. Mm. I've been getting drawn to these more um. Um, you know uh, marginal uh, marginal candidates yeah I mean, Vivek is now uh, third place and he's nearing
1: DeSantis's
2: Yes, major loss well I did a segment previously on RFK and I really like him even though he's Are a democrat you? right he's yeah I do pro-choice anti-nuclear yes. yeah. gun grabbing but I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you the, the pitch for RFK is you know, you can simplify. I mean, what what are the three branches of government in the United States? Yes. It's it's Pfizer, BlackRock, and Raytheon. Yeah. Right. And and RFK wants to basically, order. even though he doesn't go after BlackRock, which I would love. Yep. That's that's my thing. Um, he wants to smash the regulatory strait, which takes out Pfizer, uh, and and he wants to go after the military industrial complex yep. and close down the CIO, which takes out Raytheon. Yes. Now, even though of all of those things that you mentioned if he were to take out those two pillars, the regulatory state and the military industrial complex, that is worth a huge amount. Of. I agree. Okay. Right. So, and, and also, the thing, the thing I really like about RFK is because he's a more marginal candidate, he goes on the long-form discussions mm. and you find out what the man really thinks about stuff Yes. rather than this boomer, um, TV soundbite thing which I just hate well Trump isn't even doing the debates this time around yeah
1: he's exactly to. whereas Vivek yeah, exactly. is going on shows like Tim Pool yeah. multiple times and giving yeah. long form interviews he needs to go on Rogan as well I'm sure he's probably been invited
2: exactly yeah. yeah so I mean if 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 DeSantis or Trump I would love to see DeSantis or Trump go on or even Biden go on a long form discussion like, I like think, Rogan
1: I think DeSantis did one with Ben Shapiro but then that's not saying much
2: right okay uh, that's probably why I didn't notice that one yeah. Um, while we're talking about Trump, we ought to mention this from the website, which is a comics corner on hey. superheroes, um, from by by Connor. What, what, what do you what do you talk about on that one? So this is the first part of a two part. Of the second part should be coming out this next month. And right. this
1: is just the entire history of the American comics industry, including how it was probably funded by the mafia and how it reflects American values over time. So in the, but, in the Second World War. It was American patriotism in the Cold War. It was smashing the commies. And as we'll get up to uh, in the modern age, it's now just America. But that, that is propaganda too. It's propaganda, but it was good propaganda. Everything's propaganda. Right, okay, let's but, be frankly. It's just whether or not it's yeah. for our side or it not Friend right. enemy distinction.
2: So let's get into Vic. Um, he's been doing some long form and I'm going to draw from that, but I'm also going to draw from some short form because basically he just makes the point quicker. But let's try and get into the head of this man and see what he thinks. Let's go to the first clip.
0: We have to end this war. We can end this war and start prioritizing the interests of actual U.S. citizens here at home. So I I think, um, (laughs) judging by the response you just got, I think a chunk of, I don't know what percentage, but a lot of Republican primary voters agree with you. Not all, but a lot. I don't think any Republican donors agree with you. I think that's accurate. And I've lost, to be really honest with you, I've lost many large donors or prospective donors over this issue. And it puzzles me. Because I think the tempting thing to say is to have some conspiratorial explanation that they have money at stake and government contractors, Raytheon or whatever. I don't think that's true actually. I think there's something else going on in the psychology of an establishment in both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party that is reluctant to the idea that we somehow can't be the ones fighting the war that's the popular war of the day, the politically correct war. I think there's no such thing as a politically correct war. And so what I ask is, we actually going to end this conflict in a way that advances us so, so this is
2: the smart bit and the thing that puzzles me is nobody
0: war. in either party is talking about this right now the russia china alliance is the single greatest threat that the u.s actually faces yes. today and we are pushing russia closer into china's arms by actually continuing to arm ukraine so what i've said is that i would negotiate a deal that ends the ukraine war freeze the current lines of control yes that means giving part of the donbas region to russia I would make a hard commitment that NATO never admits Ukraine to NATO. And those seem like unspeakable words in the certainly Republican donor class, but we get something greater in return, which is that Putin in that case would have to exit his military partnership with China and remove nuclear weapons from Kaliningrad, which border Poland and get the Russian military out of Cuba and Venezuela and the West. And this is a deal that Putin should do because he ends up winning. He gets things that he doesn't have today, but it secures American interests too.
2: So, so this one is important for me because obviously this this war was stupid. It was it was ginned up by the US. Um, they sort of pushed them into it, and it's it's complete disaster. People are just be- getting butchered. It is bloody horrible. That that war absolutely needs to end. Trump has said he's going to do a deal and end it, but he he's quite smart because what he's recognised is, is is that deal is achievable. Um, it's. Putin would want to go for it, and it advances U.S. interests in the same time. Because this is the absolutely crazy thing about the Biden regime is they've basically looked at their geopolitical rivals, um, and and each of their geopolitical rivals—China, Russia, and say India and Iran. Yeah, well, yeah, to the, to the extent the rival, but none of those are really a, a U.S. beater by themselves. China has horrendous demographics. I mean, they were a country that on their way to two billion and they're gonna get to like seven hundred million at some point in the next decade because of their child the one child policy. So they've got horrendous demographics, but they've got lots of capital, they've got lots of know-how, they've got lots of manufacturing capabilities. And
1: raw assets all across Africa.
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, Russia has got superb commodity base and energy. Um, demographics are not that great but they're slightly rebounding because of certain policies yep yeah, they've got, they got fantastic um, agri- agricultural reserves behind them especially they end up with the Dan- Donbass as well yeah. but, and then India completes that loop because they've got the demographics they've, even though they're they've,
1: going sub-replacement but you can yes, still move people around the
2: whole, the whole monsoon region they've got they got superb demographics I mean I think the, the, the average age in India is something like 28 yeah right so if you take those three countries and you smooch them into one Eurasian ally you've got a US beta there yes and the insanity of the Biden policy is basically trying to force these guys together. Yeah. They're, they're a matchmaker. Yeah. And he recognizes that and he's trying to undo it. Yeah. So this is the first really big tick for me because he's at least as smart as I am, probably smarter. Yeah. And, and that is my, that is my entry level for somebody who should be US president. He's a long time thinker. Yes. So he, so he can think, he can, he can, he can recognize the the US advantage and take it. So that, that was the first one that I really liked. Um, Let's go to the next one. where We talks about Taiwan because this was this was at first jarring, but actually quite refreshing. Let's listen.
0: You wouldn't defend Ukraine, would you? Have America and the allies defend Taiwan if it was invaded? I would, at least until the U.S. has achieved semiconductor independence. So you would defend Taiwan, yeah? Because we depend on them for our modern way of life in a way that we don't on Ukraine. And, and then the latter part of this is it sounds a little crass to some people, but I believe in being honest. I actually think that, yeah, I'll get to the I'll get to this point in a second. But to answer your question. Yes, until we've achieved semiconductor
2: independence. I oh, believe we not- can achieve semiconductor independence. Right. So, yeah, that, I mean, it is crass and it is blunt. Mm. I will defend Taiwan until we don't need their semiconductors anymore. But that's, it's just bloody honest to yeah. be fair. I mean, uh, b- when Bush went into Iraq, he didn't say, oh, we're doing it for the oil. No. Every war is always dressed up in these liberal concerns, these yes. leftist liberal concerns. Making the world safe for democracy. Yeah. Yes. And it's obviously nonsense. Mm. And and it's so refreshing to hear somebody just say, yeah, well, we, we, we can't function our modern economy without their semiconductors and, and they produce them all, so we're going to defend them up, up until you know, that's not the case anymore.
1: Yeah, Trump did that in a slightly less advantageous way where he spoke yes. about Saudi Arabia and doing a deal with them. And he said, yeah, we're going to sell them loads of weapons. It's going to bring yeah. in loads of money. It's going to be great. And they're like, what?
0: Sorry?
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if, if the US really cared about the stuff that it says it cared about, it would invade Saudi Arabia. Yes. But it doesn't do that. It only goes for its interest. And the guy's just being honest enough to acknowledge that. So even though I found that a bit jarring at first, um, I like the fact that he's honest about it. And, and he is promoting US interests. And I get, you know, I get the sense that US... Um, people probably deserve somebody who puts their interests first for a while. But also I think the fact
1: that he's trying to pry Russia, China and India apart means that he yes. might not need necessarily boots on the ground. He can actually take economic measures while shoring up American manufacturing yes. to punish China for going into Taiwan somewhat.
2: Yes, uh, and, and, and also the situation reason. with Taiwan well, is different anyway because of the Taiwanese Strait. Yes. So, so basically it comes down to who's better, who's got better sub, submarine technology is, yeah. is my understanding of this. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and Rory's yeah. written
1: a really good piece on the website about that saying that the West actually has much better Naval capacities than the than the, than the Chinese do because trying to yeah. trying to form a beachhead on Taiwan it's it's a very easily defensible little island.
2: Yes. Um. Yeah. How, how testable that proposition about our naval capacity versus theirs? We'd rather
1: there, not there. test it. Yes. However. Yeah. In terms, it's it's much harder to invade Taiwan than it is yes. Ukraine I'll by just walking over
2: the significantly. Um, there's another bit, which of course, which is my main focus on on the economy. Um, well, I'll play the clip and, and then we, we get into it. Let's do this one.
0: So there's a debate right now amongst Democrats and Republicans on how to deal with our national debt. Democrats, say, raise taxes. The only problem with that is that shrinks the size of the economic pie itself. It shrinks your, it shrinks your tax base. Republicans are increasingly talking about making cuts to Social Security and Medicare. I think there's a third way, a better way. And surprisingly, nobody in this race is talking about it yet. I've been, it's one of my core issues. Economic growth. GDP growth in this country. So you're right. If we continue growing at one point something percent growth as we are now, we're going to run out of money. But if that number is just 3 plus percent GDP growth, we're actually in the black. Our fiscal problems automatically disappear. And we've actually, for most of our national history, grown at 4 plus percent GDP growth. So this is possible. I have a plan to actually get us to 5 plus percent GDP growth. And it's not that complicated. First, we have to unshackle U.S. energy. Energy is the main input into the economy. Drill, frack, burn coal, so that bit is and absolutely nuclear. true. Do it without apology. For some reason, you're not even supposed to say those things out loud. I'm going to implement them as my policy. Second thing is put people back to work. I think a big part of what we've lost in this country yep. is our pro work culture in America. We've paid people to stay home, take away, the disincent- yep. take away the disincentives that we create to work itself. That's also one of the obstacles to GDP growth. Anyone who's building a growing business will tell you that finding workers is their main obstacle. And then the third thing we got to do is reform the Federal Reserve. And I've written extensively about that.
2: that's the bit I really but like. I'll put
0: the Federal Reserve back in its place and say you have one job stabilize the US dollar, period.
2: So, at first I was listening to that and I was thinking, okay, there's hints of magical thinking here because let's just grow our way out of it is basically MMT. Yep. Um, and 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 so when he starts saying, you know, we can we can get to sort of three three, four, five percent growth. I was thinking, maybe a bit magical. Thing is, I I think I could probably do it in this country. I'm less familiar with the US, but I could do it in this country, but I would have to basically be dictator because it would involve the absolute demolition of the regulatory system of, you know, much of the state, you know, it it, it would involve, I mean, it would basically involve winding back all of the EU regulations. It would involve doing the things that he then starts to talk about, which is to really bolster um, the energy situation. Because I've often talked about the the absolute base of any economy is going to be agriculture and energy. Mm. And energy is probably the key one, even though we're doing a slow suicide of our agricultural base in Europe for some reason. So he starts to address it. Um, getting to 5% is you know, perhaps achievable. But, but he's essentially right. If you get the growth rate high enough, all of these um, debt deficit issues start to evaporate. And he is talking about the right thing. Whether it's actually possible to do it, because the immune system response to anybody who started to unwind the regulatory state um, and the all of these departments that are holding everything back, um, there would be such a vicious immune response to, to doing something like that. But... I mean, this is a guy who's who's started and built up several billion dollar companies. So, you know, potentially. I, so I have a few things to say on that. Number yeah. one,
1: the way that they would slow him down is either bureaucratic gumming up the work, yeah. So you'd need a Schedule F style thing to get rid of most of those agencies. And he said in his recent Tim Cast appearance, and so I'm gonna pull some, some comments from that off the top of my head, yeah. that he would absolutely do that. He'd get rid of some departments like yes. the FBI and the Department of Education. I really some, like that, yes. Some he, would, he yeah. would significantly depreciate, like the Department of Energy, the, the, yes. the EPA, and yeah. the Fed. Uh, however, the concern I have is that the reason he got into the political fight, and this might be a strength and a weakness, was that during the BLM riots, his company asked him to put a Black Lives Matter statement out. So he put out one about equality opportunity and he got lambasted for it because it wasn't enough. And so he went, actually, screw you guys. But that does mean he might be initially sensitive to reputational destruction, which is what they went after Trump with. Yes. He might be immunized against it somewhat, but he's still quite a compassionate, yeah. attentive guy. And he doesn't seem angry and vengeful like Trump does. The second point is the growth idea. He has not ruled out an immigration moratorium. He has skills-based instead. Now, what we've seen in Australia and the UK is that skills-based just means they set the limit for the amount of money you're bringing in as just above minimum wage. And so that's a way of providing growth rather than yeah, the It, capita, it, it, it could GDV. be done that
2: way. Um, I'd be worried that his
1: State Department would try and do that under his nose and he might not realise it. I yeah, don't so we've all,
2: think with all of these board. things, the devil is in the detail. But essentially, what he's proposing is the right approach. Yes. So even though I'm going to say, um, you know, the, that is a bit soundbitey, what he's saying is the right thing to do. You know, let's see if you could pull it off, but at least he understands the issue and at least he understands how to fix it, which I've not heard from any other candidate at this point. So RFK True. doesn't get the economy side of things at all. He doesn't approach, even though he's really good on those other things like the um the farmer and the military industrial complex, he cannot do economics. Whereas this guy can do economics and he's a bit soft on those things that RFK are strong on. Yes. Um and he understands the problem in a way that I've never heard articulated from somebody like Trump.
1: The only the only positive I will say on, on the, not the only positive, but the positive I will say to add on top of this is that he's got the right heuristic in that if you're going for growth, yeah. there also must be certain things that are beyond the purview of the market. And he said, so like surrogacy and prostitution and things like that. Like Mm -hmm. capitalism without an underlying morality to hem it back in, you just get a universal solvent effect that commodifies human beings and makes them like a standing reserve. It goes from like being natural like the Amazon to being a product on an Amazon warehouse shelf. He understands on Tim Cost, he said, The the parallel founding of the US was also Adam Smith's publication of The Wealth of Nations in 1776, same year. But he said his prior book was actually about the theory of moral sentiments. And he said there were certain things that needed to be ring-fenced out of commodification because they're equally valuable to the human project. And that's how you get the morality that undergirds the social contract.
2: I'm glad you said that, actually, because obviously we're time constrained in these segments and yes. there was a whole bunch of the, the morality stuff that I could put in. So for example, he, he is essentially arguing that things like the trans thing, um, the COVID lunacy, the the Ukraine thing, it is he, he doesn't say this exactly, but it's it's filling a God-shaped hole. It's, and who the, does,
1: he does say that exactly on Tim
2: Oh, okay, right. Yeah, so he, so, okay. Okay, so he, he was alluding to that in other interviews. I, I haven't seen the Tim thing. Recommend. But it. He, he was basically saying but people used to have religion and family that provided their bad rock, and that would sustain them long term but yes. at the moment they don't have that they have these short term fads and that's the only thing they can sustain and that's why they have to jump okay covid's gone now we're jumping to the ukraine thing and obviously and there is going to need to be when because ukraine things about collapse yeah because because that's all drying up there's going to need to be another thing that they can go all in on which provides them their their, their two year or 18 month um religion and family substitute mm. so he's really good on that as well yes um I'm glad you mentioned the the, the the abolishment of the FBI and the education. So I'll, I'll have to skip over the FBI one, but we do have a bit on the on the education. Can we, can we play that one now?
0: I think the federal government is not, as a factual matter, directly involved in education. I think it is, a, therefore, a deadweight waste for money to cycle from the taxpayers to the Federal Department of Education to then disperse those funds inefficiently as they do, tilting the scales to four-year college degrees over choices that people might have otherwise made that are better choices for them, vocational training, one-year, two-year programs. Using it as a cudgel, and this relates to the latter issue you asked about, to tell local schools they don't get that money unless they're adopting what I certainly view as toxic racial and gender ideology-based agendas. They use the money as a cudgel to do it. So I've said that that department that spends about $80 billion of taxpayer money, I'll shut it down. Tonight in New Hampshire, I'm laying out the amount of exactly that. how we'll shut it down. And then return that money to the states to do people who put it in parents' pockets. And shut them down. Very specifically, you have to be a state that has a school choice program in order to receive that Department of Education shutdown dividend. I think that if you're in such a state, I would also believe that those states need to write their teachers' union, teachers' contracts, in a way that stops teachers from joining teachers' unions, which I think have been a destructive force on our public schools. If you're unionizing against the public, think about who you're unionizing against, the very kids you're supposed to represent. Now we have transparency. We have choice. If you teach in the classroom, put it online. And then there's an interesting fact in this country where I think you guys will appreciate how bizarre this fact really is. There's not only like a failed positive correlation. There is a negative correlation, an inverse correlation, between how much money per student a public school spends and the actual outcomes that that school achieves for its students. So in my version of school choice, my preferred version, it would not just be that parents get to get these vouchers and educational savings accounts to send their kids to some other school. That's part of the story. It's the first step. But I think any parent who moves to a school that spends less per student, which we know based on the data, is actually all of equal a better performing school as it relates to achievement should be able to take half the delta with them. So let's take Chicago or Pennsylvania spending 35 dollars $40,000 yeah. per student. Fifteen miles away, you have a school spending fifteen dollars to $20,000 per student. I think they should be able to take half the difference, that ten dollars to $15,000, half that difference of the $20,000 to $10,000 they take with them. You run the math on normal investment returns. You're talking about a quarter million dollar plus graduation gift when that kid graduates from 12th grade. So you tell me which is a better use of money. It's not even close. And I think the head of the okay, state great is saying that I will right. be a good idea. That's a great idea. Did you come up with that idea? idea or did, is that something that's out there? He was actually yeah. another guy who's an was who's a friend, but who shares yeah. similar instincts.
2: So, so, so that's really smart. So, I mean, first of all, Love um, school choice policy. Yes, the voucher the system. Well, there, there was a, there was an advisor to Margaret Thatcher who said we should do it here. It was it's such a loss that we never did it here. Yep. And obviously, it's something which is a live issue over there. So, really appreciate school boys. But the second point you made, I mean, that is a really smart way of incentivizing everybody. Because if you if you want to dismantle something like the education department, you want to go after the teachers' unions. There is going to be a big organized opposition. So, you need to incentivize everybody to give you to to, to want to buy into the change you're making and he hits both sides here he, he, he says to the taxpayers okay well we're going to substantially reduce your taxes by you know the cost of the department of education and half the delta on the school fees that we save on this so the taxpayers are incentivized but also and this is the bit that the um now, what, what, what do you call the, the inner city caucus the um you know the well, basically the black community are going to buy into as soon as they understand the implications of what he's just said because basically the schools that spend the most of the inner city schools with the, the black predominated schools and they're the the ones who are overspending and he wants to take half of the overspend and give it back to taxpayers so they're happy but he wants to take the other half and, and basically wrap it up and then hand it to the to family at the other end if they choose a cheaper school which he says as you, if, if you invest that normally that could be like a quarter of a million payout so that is basically a large payout to uh, black inner city kids when they come of age so when they figure out what he's actually offering there mm. that's going to be massive for them now I think there needs to be some thought as to how that is paid out because if you just give them the lump sum yeah. you know Nike stores and BMWs are going to fly yes. in, in, in inner cities and you know, a lot of them are going to just overdose themselves to death so you can't do it like that but you could possibly structure it in a way which is to say you know this would be paid out um, over the course of the next 30 years but you get a criminal conviction and it just it just goes Yeah, and then that way everyone could sort of buy into that because the taxpayer is better off and they're better off as long as they you know, don't get a, a criminal record or, or whatever it is. And if you also reform the compound interest that's paid on American student loans because they do it
1: very differently here yes. you could have it trickle upwards into a grades-based scholarship system as well. Yeah
2: that's the other way of doing it instead of just giving them a lump sum it basically turns into a voucher for higher education or um, skills-based training or, or something yeah, or, like that. Or
1: even, even like, yeah. a, like a, a low-interest startup business loan.
2: For example. Yeah, yeah, or, or or even a home deposit. I mean, there's the whole yeah, You bunch could get of very inventive with it. Yeah, there's there's so much you could do. But I like the idea of what we're gonna do is we're gonna is we're gonna tackle overspend on government mm. by giving um, half of the difference back to the people that it was supposed to benefit so that they can use free market choices to deploy that money for them. Mm. So that is really smart. Absolutely love that policy because everybody wins on it, apart from the established interest in the teachers' union and the department of education. If you can do that in one area you can apply that thinking. You can apply that to a whole bunch yes. of different areas. So absolutely, I mean, that was really smart. So so he's hitting for me, um, obviously ending the war, which is important, um, education, which I think is really important. And fiscal responsibility. Um, yeah, fiscal responsibility as well as that stuff. He doesn't go after entitlements, but then you can't get elected if you tell the boomers you're going to take away the gives. Yes. So he kind of has to do that. You'll have to do reform when you get in. Yeah, or, or maybe actually deliver the growth that he's going. But if, if he does deliver the growth that he's going, he's going to make a hell of a lot of enemies in, in, the, in the establishment. Right, let's end up on, on how he thinks that he's going to... Um, in, well, let's end up on the policy side, but how he thinks he's going to implement this because he, he recognizes that there is a huge legislative challenge to doing the things he's talking about. So he talks about what he can actually get away with in terms of executive power. So let's watch the next bit. The first,
0: thing, the first set of things that I like to do are the things that you can just do by the stroke of a pen. Okay? I didn't race-based affirmative action. First thing, Lyndon Johnson created it. It's an order, we can easily cross that out. I pushed Trump's people on why they didn't do it. They said it was a political hill they didn't want to die on. I'm not afraid of that one. I'll issue an executive order saying we're done mandating the measurement of carbon measurement, carbon emission measurements anywhere through the bureaucracy. That shows up through multiple That's federal agencies. So That's part of how we unshackle the US energy sector. I would streamline the permitting process for new drilling or fracking projects, something that holds back the US energy sector again. Yeah. I would also unveil, unrelease, un, some of the, reveal, I should say, some of the corruption that the public deserves to see. Anytime a government bureaucrat over the last several years has pressured a private company to take an action that the government couldn't take directly, censorship, stopping the lending to save sectors like fossil fuels, I'll issue an executive order that demands that we at least publish that information so that the public can see it. Roll so that be log huge over, transparency? see what crawls out. Transparency is the first step to fixing corruption. I'd also pardon anyone whose prosecution was because of a politically motivated reason. That is to say that if normal people would not have been charged for that same crime, but an individual was charged, we have to actually set that record straight. I mean, even Julian Assange, I think, fits that description. So I've identified that as a bipartisan issue or an issue that's beyond partisanship. Somebody that I would pardon. These are things that you can actually do on day one to set a cultural tone for the country. I'm not claiming that those are the most important things to get done, but what I am claiming is that there are things a president can do that are quick, deliver real positive change. And then the last two that I would, that I would set a motion without asking Congress for permission or forgiveness is to take our military and station them at the border, the southern border and increasingly the northern border as well. Obviously, If we can use our military to protect somebody else's border halfway around the world, I think we can and should use our military to secure our own border. That's something that the US president can actually do and we solve the fentanyl crisis in the process. A lot of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. don't like that idea. What I say is if I'm the U.S. president and can't work for the federal government for more than eight years, then I'll also sign an executive order for the people who report into me saying that none of those federal bureaucrats can work for the government for more than eight years either. Replace those civil service protections with term limits instead. I think that's how we ensure fresh lifeblood comes into government rather than an entitled, ossified bureaucratic state. That's day one. They want, All right, and you exactly. just wrapped up. conversation so that's, that's with a huge amount of things that, that hit yeah, a promise. lot of
2: a lot of points for me. So I mean, obviously, securing the southern border, the military—that that—that's an obvious one. Ending the political prisoners, so the Jan Six guys and, and the and the Julian Assange—absolutely love that. Um, energy policy, which you talked about on some of the other one. Um, transparency for government actions. I mean, you just throw open the transparency and then and then the internet will do the rest. The, the, you know, the Reddit and Twitter, they, they will get on Four that. Channel to yeah, exactly, exactly. So that is absolutely brilliant. And I just love the last bit, which is an eight-year term limit for civil servants. Can you imagine how well the federal government would run if everybody in it, if it was just like a thing that you did during your career for eight years, okay, I'm going to do my eight years of working with the government. And you'd have to pick your moment to go in because, you know, you could either go in at a fairly low level and work in the DMC or something, um, you know, it gives, gives you some level of security for that period. Or you could go in at a more senior stage if you're looking to sort of run something. But if you've got that permanent circulation, rather than people that work for the federal government for their entire lives and they just, as he says, ossified it. But you, it was just it was just a, something you did for a portion of your career, and then the rest of it was spent in the public sector, and you got that constant circling. I think that would be an absolutely wonderful thing.
1: The 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 only issue I foresee, and you'd need some sort of holdover period of where you don't just get a kind of parliamentary pass that allows you to go back in and a number of times mm. back into the federal government.
2: Be, it would be a lifetime, eight years. And, and some, what suggesting yeah there.
1: but, and, but uh, at some time, your communications still need to be monitored because then you can just go straight out of the federal government and go into a company yeah. that can then lobby the government and do it more deftly. Than, yeah. yeah. So, so, so again,
2: with this one, again, the devil is in the detail because there's, there'd be a lot of detail, but as an idea of rather than having people who work in the private sector their entire life and people who worked in the public sector, yeah. if it was just more the culture that you did a stint as a public servant, yes. I mean, it actually goes back to the original idea. I'm going to do my, my public service. You know, people who have, um, you know, and, and and what I suspect you get is a load more people who have, who who maybe retired just a little bit early, and you could incentivize them to do it by giving them some tax breaks around their pension, their private pension pot that they built up. Mm. You know, towards the end of your career, or something, you go in and you do a bit of this public service, and and then you, would, but it would just be so much better to have people who are not lifetime long federal servants. Mm. Because they're not federal. I mean, they're federal masters. I mean, the, the 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 state system exists to perpetuate itself in its own interests. And also
1: the sort of 20-year-old know-nothing spads who are hired by CCHQ in, in the UK who yeah. are just there as... And they're, they're grouped yeah. up through the party with the party's ideology. So it, yes. it's a challenge.
2: So I, I love the idea of making that um, just a part of your career rather, rather than your entire career. Um, we ought to address the Trump issue as well because he, he makes an observation which is... Basically true. Let's listen.
0: So my view is that he was a successful president, measured by reviving the economy. A successful president, period. How why do I say that? Reviving the economy, growing the American economy. I think that recognizing and speaking to and partially addressing concerns that had been historically unaddressed by both both major political parties, we did not enter a major war. We were on the brink of major conflict with North Korea, on the precipice in other parts of the world. ISIS was a thing. It is you know, by, it exists, but it's by and large not the same threat that it was after his presidency as it was when he took over. These are major accomplishments, right? I think the immigration crisis, I, I think, is far worse today precisely because Biden's in office and not Trump. So I believe he was a successful president. That's view number one. View number two. He has an effect on people. About 30% of this country that I think becomes psychiatrically ill when he is the U.S. president. <laughs> I think it's just a fact, right? <laughs> Agreeing with things that they otherwise wouldn't have agreed with because I think that thirty percent number you know, applies on yeah. our pot too. One in four. Well, I think that I think it's just it's just the reality is people lose their ability to process information. People lose the ability to think independently. It's like a demonic possession that happens in this country. I'm about as best I can talk about thirty percent of the country, and I think that's not good for the country. And, and we can debate who's to blame for that or whatever, but I'm just stating it in observation that I feel pretty strongly about. Right and so I think most of Trump's policies were good. Do I have some policy disagreements with them? Of course I did. It would be
2: weird. Yeah, so uh, there is a part of me that says, we just need Trump and it will upset the left. And that's one of the features, not a bug. But it's not impossible that that country ends up in a civil war if, if it carries on the way it's going. I think it's, it's going to anyway. It was it was getting ugly. I mean, it really was. It still is. Yeah, yeah, it still is. They're still prosecuting him now. I, I yeah, think you're know. never
1: going to circumvent the fact that it's going to yeah. be ugly. I, I, my prediction is, and I, I don't wish to rain on our parade because I think um, Vivek would be overall my favorite candidate as, as I followed him. But I also preface this with I know that he's not going to win. He's not. It's not his yes. year, right? Yes. It would be his year to be VP, and he hasn't said that he would accept. Well, okay. That, uh, yeah. But obviously because otherwise he would, his donors would drop out if he didn't think he was winning. Yes. But if he gets on the debate stage, he pushes these issues, he bows out, Ron DeSantis has burned all his credibility yeah. with both the base and Trump. That that man, unless Trump fucks it and goes for Carrie Lake, but I reckon she'll go for Arizona Senate, yeah. that man will be Trump's VP.
2: So you, you've you pinched my conclusion. That is exactly what I was... No, you, no you, said, you said it well, but that's the thing. Um, I I think he is much more of a unified. He's clearly very smart. And he brings a lot to the understanding of how to actually solve this thing. But I think probably my biggest criticism of Trump, the, the criticisms that I made at the beginning, Probably come down a lot to naivety mm. that he went in expecting the he expected the president to be given an order and it to be carried out. Yeah, he he, he, he had the boomer belief in his establishment neutrality. Yes, and maybe he has been disabused of that notion. Maybe yeah. a second Trump term he wouldn't make all of the mistakes that he made in the first term. And if he had somebody like him as VP, and the reason I like him as VP is because he would be able to give that level of detail and market based insights to the solution to a lot of these problems it would be fantastic. And he would then have four years to see how the machine worked. And then if he became the candidate afterwards, then he could be really powerful. Continuity candidate. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes. So, Vivek for VP. There we go. We've now got like 10 minutes
1: to do. Oh, we'll be fine. We'll crash course for it. Um, It's just talking about a bunch of commie gobbledygook anyway. So, net zero is no longer enough. We have to go for absolute. Zero, apparently. Uh, let's explore how the experts are ratcheting to us towards total energy, immiseration, and eternal poverty. Uh, if you want to talk about our political friends and enemies, you can subscribe to the website for as little as £5 a month to get all of our premium content and watch Josh's Contemplation Series, his very eclectic series on psychology and politics, where he and Harry discuss the friend enemy distinction. I picked this because That's in, a good this, one. in this, they talk about the depoliticizing force of liberalism. Now it's constantly miring you in debate and under the surface, there is this bubbling beast of an existential threat of revolutionary terror. What they haven't hit on here and which I will hit on in the future is something that's masked within this environmental debate, and that is technology as one of those forces. The you can try and defend your culture and your traditions but technology has a ratcheting universalizing liquidating effect and that allows the existential threat to your civilization to be smuggled in under the so for example um, if you're developing medicines and someone else over there is developing an accidental bioweapon in an unspecified lab in wuhan you wouldn't realise it's going to come wipe you out under the guise of it's it's just going to be safe and secure. We're, we're just developing cures, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Uh, more on that later. T- technology is demonic, and I will not elaborate further at this time. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go on to a company called UK Fires. Now, they uh, work with the UK government. They're a non-profit, and they are they have experts from Imperial College, University of Nottingham, Oxford, Cambridge, uh, Bath, and they work with the Department for
2: Energy and so Climate this is just Change. just part of the bloody gravy train of government money for people who wouldn't otherwise have a job we're just going to funnel government money to them through the back door
1: yeah the permanent NGO bureaucracy yeah and so they've got this new report and it's actually not new sorry but there is an update on it there was a report published in 2019 I think I think it was November right before the pandemic here called Absolute Zero so we have the report here Uh, the, the report's author is a prominent IPCC report contributor so this is the kind of ideology going into the mainstream science. So, so this is absolute zero, as
2: in not net zero, but this is absolute third, zero carbon emissions. Yes. That's insane. Yeah, I know. Do you well, want to hear well, the and also, the, the concept of absolute zero comes from a third law of thermodynamics, which is, which is a, you know, the logical conclusion of entropy gets you to a, a quantum state of absolute zero. Mm. But the point is, everybody agrees that it's fundamentally unachievable. So, so they've named themselves after something which is fundamentally unachievable.
1: With human activity.
0: Yes. It's
1: almost like they've taken that into account. Ah, uh, yes. So there's a quote here. If we only use electricity delivering all the transport, heat and goods we use in the UK, we would require three times more electricity than we use today. If we expand renewables as fast as we can, we could deliver about 60% of this requirement with zero emissions in 2050. Therefore, in 2050, we must plan to use about 40% less energy than we use today and all of it must be electric. It doesn't work. Oh, yep. sake. It doesn't work like that. Sorry, that's that's how it works. Um, do you want to do you want to see some of their policy positions in this in this really lovely little diagram here? Uh, if you if you're looking, yeah, I know your face is screwing up. For audio listeners, their their ideas that by 2030 all remaining airports must close, all oh, shipping God. declines to zero. Yeah, what? Not not joking. Yep fossil fuels are completely phased out.
2: So, so 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 but that okay that point alone is advocating mass starvation yes. in Africa because at the moment and here. They, they basically get gr- grain yes they get grain shipped from um sort of Russia down into Africa. So that's so that's advocating for mass starvation in the developing world. Yep. That, oh, right. this, is, this, is the, this one on the right is the IPCC report and the government Well, and also their underlying assumption that electrification requires this no go and watch their, Tesla put out a battery day where they got deep into the science of this stuff yep. um, it, it, it doesn't work like that because there are efficiencies that are gained through a function of it mm. so, so even their fundamental assumption is wrong oh yeah uh, they also say that all plastic steel and cement needs to end and you can't eat beef and lamb anymore okay well these people are insane and then these people are getting government money
0: yeah oh
1: not just government money wait for it okay um, so they say here no one actors can bring about absolute zero delivering it is a journey depending on cooperative action by individuals businesses and governments acting on good information Sounds awfully fascist. Absolute zero requires societal change. This will provide opportunities for growth in business, education and research, governance and industrial strategy. To achieve zero emissions, we must only pursue the right opportunities and restrain activities which are no longer compatible with a zero emission society. Expert-led totalitarianism. Not behavioural nudge, behavioural shove. Yeah. So if we go through the actual PDF... How do you even build the bloody wind turbines without concrete? Carbon fibre? fiberglass? How do you ship them over? Great question. We will not address this. Moving on. Um, so apparently, absolute zero means two things. First, that no carbon can be produced by any industry or household. Get that one through your noggin. Second, averaged across the economy, energy consumption must fall to about 30% of its current level. So it must be all electric, 30 to 40% energy reduction. You can't produce any carbon whatsoever. don't know how breathing is going to work. Maybe it isn't. In writing this report, we have therefore assumed that the target of zero emissions is absolute. There are no negative emissions options or meaningful carbon offsets. Absolute zero means zero emissions. So you're not allowed to carbon
2: offset either. How's breathing going to work? Like, sorry, what? But you, you, I, okay. you cannot have an electrification system without infrastructure investment. Yeah, we, we, The bloody pylons require concrete to, to be to be bolted into the... We, you want able to get the steel in the first place. So it, Literally none, none of this makes any sense. No, but yet yeah, the experts are
1: telling us, so we oh, have okay. to do Maybe it. Okay, experts. yep. And also, the UK is responsible for all emissions caused by its purchasing, including imported goods, international flights, and shipping. So not just emissions within our zone, but the entire global supply chain. Every single stakeholder has to be
2: involved. I wonder how many seat. of the people who wrote this report eat avocados, for example. All of
1: them. They're, adv- they're advocating an entirely vegan-based diet. They also typed this. They didn't. They didn't write it in pen and ink. So yes. yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. But it's not about hypocrisy. It's just about hierarchy. So this is this is page thirteen. Um, delivering absolute zero in thirty years with today's technologies is possible. Our energy supply will be forty percent less than it is today, solely in the form of electricity. But apart from flight and shipping, all other el- energy applications can be electrified. With what materials? Therefore, our commitment to absolute zero emissions in 2050 requires a restraint in our use of energy to around sixty percent of today's levels. Notice that went from 30 to 40 to 60 within yeah. the same report.
2: Yes. Yeah. We're
1: going to get down to 100 eventually. Back in caves, lads. There we go. Let's go to page six for its policy recommendations. Um, I'm going to read some of these out to you. Demands an end to all fertilizer use in cattle and sheep farming. So Sri Lanka. That well. Eating lamb and beef will be incompatible. Absolute zero. An end to cement and steel production. Even without action on climate change, the amount of scrap steel available globally for recycling will treble by 2050. In order to meet the requirements of absolute zero, this valuable resource can be the only feedstock, as there is currently no alternative technology for producing steel from iron ore without emissions. So all steel must be recycled by 2050, even though we're going to massively electrolyte everything. Yep. The electrification of every industry, recycling of plastics, there's no mention of bioplastics or plastic ocean removal, so don't know how they're going to do that, Um, all flying commercial shipping to be banned, and the end of central heating. And they literally cite in here, wear warmer clothes in winter. Why didn't I think of that? This whole time, I've just been shivering and paying loads of heating bills, never thought to put
0: my socks on. I know you're stunned.
2: Yep. The only way that this could possibly work is with a massive reduction in population.
1: You're saying the quiet part out loud, I would suggest, Dan. But but there you yeah. go. Um, the House of Lords did a debate on this, actually. Oh, God. So really? this was this was 2020. Uh, the, it ended with, we all agree on the motion. There wasn't really a motion put forward other than that we all agree on net zero and we're just talking about the possibility of absolute zero. It was tabled by Labour Lord Brown of Ladyton. Ironic name. Mm. My aim is to spark a broad debate that includes those with such expertise but embraces all stakeholders. Typical WEF language. The authors of Absolute Zero, a recent report by UK Fires, literally setting the whole country on fire, (laughs) a consortium of UK academic experts have done us all a great service by authoritatively and painstakingly exposing the degree to which we are being misled by a techno-optimistic approach to the climate change challenge. Don't innovate your way out of it. Just be impoverished to the point where you're cold, starving, and maybe some of you die off enough that you stop emitting carbon. I think so quite like carbon. It, It helps plants grow. We should emit more. Yeah, that, that would be good. Or even just like carbon capture will work eventually and then you can turn it into
2: a useful well, building. We've already material. got carbon capture. It's called agriculture. We, 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 in, in, in days gone past, you'd have like a plant here and then a plant over there. Yeah. Now we have developed agriculture with masses of plants. And what it does is it captures vast amounts of carbon. Yeah, and, and nobody ever talks about that side of it, but we are absorbing huge amounts of carbon through the agricultural system. But it would also create, if you could capture
1: it, consolidate it, and repurpose it for other means, you just turn it into grain. Or, or graphene. Like things like that. Yeah. You can you can have flexible building materials. Come in yeah. touch screen phones or, or, so, or cut so, those bloody wind turbines so, people keep talking about. We are about, which we don't are capturing
2: work. carbon anyway. Yeah. Even though carbon is good because yes. carbon helps plants grow and actually there would abs- there would be no problem if carbon was double the level it is now. Mm. I mean, you can talk about pollutants and plastic pollutant and because that, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's something
1: that's something yeah. the entire right can get on board with yes microplastics in the ocean they don't mention yes. any of that it's just about the planet being on fire um mm. it, he then goes on to lie and he says the report doesn't ask us to give up commercial air travel when it literally does it's quote but lord witty of labor is more honest the interventions by government have to be fairly draconian that's a, that's a direct quote by the way mm. price increases brought about through taxation are never popular but if we're to change behavior we'll have to grasp that nettle
2: Yes. Right, so that's that's just mask off moment. So, so it's just a miseration.
1: Yeah, yeah. But how misleading is it that we can innovate our way out of environmental issues? It's Misleading, apparently. Well, this is why I decided to cover this now. There's been an update. They've done a blog report because the government haven't taken it up yet. And this was in yeah. late March. Is Absolute Zero pessimistic about UK energy supplies? So he says, that they argue, the proportion of the UK's energy being carbon neutral is growing in accordance with, as you can see, video viewers here, their little graph prediction back in 2019. And so technology isn't progressing at a fast enough rate to achieve absolute zero. So we've got to take drastic measures. Um, figure two demonstrates all other scenarios that depend on negative emissions technologies, such as carbon capture and storage, to deal with between 40 and 80 Mt CO 2 e per year of residual emissions. In absolute zero, we reflected the reality to date. No technologies were operating in the UK and therefore forecast that by 2050, we should continue to anticipate they should not exist. Bit of a leap in logic. Next 30 years, there's going to be absolutely no innovations in carbon capture technology despite loads of money being funded funneled into the
2: innovation space. Yeah. And like I say, it's just bloody agriculture anyway. Yep. But, but, but no, if, if these people want less carbon, just embrace nuclear, but they refuse to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they also complain that the
1: nuclear power is taking too long to be built, even though yeah, I
2: that's actually... Because, that's because of the regulatory structure. It takes... Yep. The Chinese can build a nuclear plant in six years and it takes us like 16
1: minimum. Yeah, well we are we actually um, relying on the Chinese to buy our nuclear power plant. So here's oh, right. here's okay.
2: the here's the nuclear power type. So, so so they could admit but we can't. Yeah.
1: But the, the Chinese have a 22% stake in Hinkley, a 33% stake in Sizewell. I might put plus six more. Because
2: because they, they, they can just churn out nuclear plants when they want. and We can't. Yeah, and 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 they're
1: also building a 500 million pound nuclear thing on our soil so yes that's not good but,
2: but which is taking bloody years because of the regulatory hold-ups on it
1: yeah and I, I did my best attempt to convince the government with the nuclear financing bill to change that and they seem to have adopted that plan they didn't listen to my other predictions hmm. on ukraine that year before it happened but hmm. hey ho i guess i'm just a conspiracy theorist so because of this they're thinking right there's gonna be no new nuclear power there's yeah. gonna be no carbon capture things aren't going to change in that time and so it there's there's figure five on here um it emits new nuclear, as you can see here, as being a possibility involved in the UK's energy sector and just focuses on renewables here, see? And so it's saying that if we're going to try and do renewables, this is basically impossible to ever build our way out of. So then they say, when we hear people tell us we should just be more optimistic, what we think they're really saying is we don't want to think about a future in which we don't have all the energy we want. But the whole excitement of the UK fires programme has been to recognise that such a shortfall is close to certain a reality. And as a result, a whole different range of innovations in technology, business, systems, governance, and lifestyle are going to emerge as the enablers of real zero emissions living. So total system revolution, because the prior problems that we engendered into the system are gumming up the works, and we've based all of our ideas on faulty premises that are probably never going to come to pass. So you have to live in the pod and eat the bugs. Yes, that is exactly what it is. Yeah, and the press is already nudging us there. I just noticed this this week. Uh, so there's been an expert, Sir Bob Watson, former head of the UN climate body, and he told the BBC's Today programme, I think most people live in fear that if we give up on the 1.5 Celsius limit for the, for the net zero policy, which I do not believe we will achieve, in fact, I'm very pessimistic about even achieving two Celsius, if we allow the target to become looser and looser, higher and higher, governments will do even less in the future. So we have to ban the hammer down now to make it even worse. BBC also released this article. Um, Eating less meat is like taking 8 million cars off the road. This was a a report from Oxford University's Professor Scarborough, part of the Livestock, Environment, and People, LEAP project, who surveyed 55,000 people and found that big meat-eaters' diets, that's about a burger a day, averaged 10.24 kilograms of planet-warming greenhouse gases. An independent review for the Department of Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs, that's DEFRA, called for a 30% reduction in meat consumption by 2032. So DEFRA are now agreeing with this. They're trying to phase out beef it's just war on from.
2: farmers. I mean, in, in this particular case,
1: and on nutrition, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna make yes. us like protein starved and yeah, so eat, eat the bloody seed oils. Yeah, and and so I come to the last piece that was published the other day in New Yorker by I believe this was uh, Bill McKibben. Yeah, Bill McKibben says we need to move to a humbler world, and that's one without human activity. Genuinely, Alex Epstein's written about this in Fossil Futures. Compiled all his anti-human takes, and he cites John Maynard Keynes in the first sentence. You need to do brokenomics on that man, by the way. That would be fantastic. Um. He he just he just says that basically we need total degrowth. So there's de-growth. there's an argument to be made that there are certain things within the market purview that shouldn't be there, you know, like buying babies and buying people and things like that. Yes. So you need morality to constrain that. But he's saying no, we should sabotage the energy sector and the food sector to just have less people.
2: Just coming out and mask off saying it. And they're they're always going after the families, aren't they? Is, is yeah. none, none of this is about, okay, well, we're going to take away the um, you know, the the sort of pension entitlements and the Oh no. You know, all, all of that stuff. We're never going to go after Medicare, Medicaid. It's, it's, it's all about, you know, we're going to go after, um, you know, the 30-somethings trying to have kids.
1: Yeah, because they want you to be, as you Yuval Noah uh, Harari said many times, the useless eaters hooked up to Robert Nozick experience machines, which are fully renewable powered, getting yes. your, your slop fed to you and thinking it's steak like Cypher and the Matrix.
2: Yes, his basic view is that we have far too many people and we're just going to mollify them with video games and drugs.
1: Yeah, we're going to sedate you, battery farm you, and the ones that don't make it, oh well. Yeah, it's... Like the matrix. Yeah. So keep an eye out for the semantic shift on absolute zero because it's only going to be a matter of time until our governments adopt it. Fun. On to the video comment.
2: Yes.
0: Yay, California news is back. Oh, during a town hall about San Francisco's drug and crime issues, citizens were upset at Mayor London Breed's sudden change of heart to crack down on crime. So is it a surprise that the people who voted you in to be pro-crime are upset? One person shown here threw a brick, bringing the event to a premature close. And of course, let's just say this person looks a little trans to me, and it's good to know that the police will protect the mayor and not the citizens. And by the way, the shorts say I fought a bear once in case you were curious.
1: Yeah, that's definitely trans. Yeah. I mean, he's got Michelle Obama traps. Blimey. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, don't throw bricks, people, but it does remind me a little bit of, you know, the Penguin in Batman Returns when they start playing the, the I, I played this stinking city like a heart from hell thing that makes his mayoral campaign I can't bad. remember that one. Oh, everyone shows up and throws, like, eggs and tomatoes and lettuce at him. Right. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, Batman reference for the day, I suppose. Onto the yep. comments. Um, Johnny, first ever comment, as I'm finally watching the podcast live, signing up two months ago. Good, good. man, stick around. Not enough hours in the day. First economics and now working through the excellent Hangouts. Keep up the good work, guys. Oh,
2: fantastic. Good man, Johnny.
1: Thank you very much. If I might recommend Evil Origins of Feminism. Everyone seems to like that one, because part two, coming soon. William, that intro was brilliant, if a little confusing. Well, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Andrew Narog, wonderful to have you back, Connor said no one else. It was a great, it was a treat seeing you on Timcast as well. First time i watched the full Timcast segment in a long time. It would be great to have Seamus on Lotus Caesars. Yeah, Stay tuned. He might be coming to the UK. So the Irish Catholic Exchange program may be coming to full fruition. Um, yeah, Seamus, actually, Seamus, Hannah Clare, all of the production team of that, they took me out for dinner at, um, no, not dinner, breakfast at a Waffle House? Is that it? Yeah, Waffle House Uh, uh, at like half 12 in the morning and we didn't get into a fight. That was good. We were served by a man with face tattoos who'd shown up after being called in for a shift while drinking at home alone and then one of the members of the table asked if they sell the mugs that Waffle House branded and he just shrugged and went, oh no man, just steal it. I don't need this job walked away. (laughs) Impeccable service. They don't serve food there. It's inedible but great time. Timcast people, lovely. Anyway, on to the Barbie stuff. Uh, Big Ed established the Kendon Yes, big Ken energy here, ladies and gentlemen. Lord Nerevar, this isn't actually the first time Hollywood has been based in recent history. Didn't Marvel do it with the fa- Falcon and Winter Soldier? I don't think so. No, because they had Isaiah Bradley say Captain America was racist. And then they had Falcon lecture some senator saying you need to do better. And there's a police brutality bit. Though US agent was the more likable one. So you might be referring to that. They, they did that with loads of people. Like, again, Patrick Bateman was meant to be the villain. And, yeah. and he's, I mean, he's not a great Tom's guy. Tom's comment's interesting.
2: Go on. I went to see Barbie with some girls from work and they went away with a female empowerment message while I was left thinking the patriarchy is based as fuck. Well, most women I know saw it and went that was rubbish. Yeah.
1: But, and they're not even, they're normies. Most women I know. Yeah. So that's surprising. Like maybe they just genuinely had their brains off. But this Quite is, possible. this is something that I have to noticed. Uh, yeah. if, if you aren't plugged in to the online discourse and know the memes that they're referring to, you either just won't get it or you'll get the wrong message. Yeah. But if you, if you do, and you think about it a little bit, this film is the greatest self-owned in all of Hollywood history.
2: Well, that's Frank's point. He says this movie is a bunch of, is, is not a bunch of feminist It actually manifests the uh, solar energy of Ken.
1: Yes. Ken's, Ken's greatest flaw was actually seeking the approval of the wrong woman, which, let's be fair, lads, when, yes, we, when we're narcissist. younger, we've always, we've always done that because we've, we've yes. fallen the foul of the wrong side of the hot crazy matrix and Ken did that. And no, now I've done that. I've done that loads of times. Many such cases. Mm. Anyway, Zentran, the movie considered that the oppressive patriarch is just monogamous relationships. This was made in California. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also, monogamous relationships where the women like it. Okay. Sophie Liv. I actually explained the plot of the Barbie movie to Base Staple and John Crow yesterday. They initially didn't believe me. It was so bad. it was brilliant. I loved it for all the wrong reasons. Like, like, don't go out and pay to see it. But as soon as it comes out, have your bros over for a Barbie movie night and then just just compliment each other on each other's pull-ups. But the male sor- solidarity in that was great. Uh, Base Tape. Peter Dinklage didn't pull the ladder up after him. He pulled up the steppy stool. <laughs> Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? <laughs> um, one last one on this. Someone online. If Barbie realistically portrayed how little girls play with the dolls, at least half the Barbies would be missing limbs and faces and it would be a horror movie. This is actually incorporated yeah. into the plot. This is Weird Barbie. She is permanently doing the splits and she has she's drawn on. And it's Kate McKinnon, the lesbian writer of the film, who wrote herself into it to be the wisest sage of all. She's the most subversive one. Yeah. Anyway, onto your shilling for Vivek.
2: Uh, Alexander Drake says I actually quite like what I've been hearing of Vivek he won't go anywhere um, everyone is still married to Trump as things stand now Vivek would be the only one I'd actually vote for yeah I mean I'm, I'm going to be I, I'm, I would be perfectly happy with a Trump or a DeSantis or a Vivek or an RFK win I just don't want basically I wouldn't be Biden. happy with
1: DeSantis at this point I wouldn't I don't really? trust him I don't trust the people around him mind you
2: I, don't, I, just, I just don't know what DeSantis thinks because he talks in sound bites,
1: I, I, I think that he is not independently wealthy and a little bit awkward and so he's willing to bend over to whoever is whispering in his ear like worm tongue at the time. Yeah, I, I, I just advice.
2: haven't decided on DeSantis yet, but... I think Trump can be at
1: least swayed. I think, I think that Trump is a Schmittian friend.
2: My, like I said, my biggest problem with Trump is that, is that they will just <sighs> complete mask off FBI march into the counting stations and take over the vote and count it and say, "Oh, Biden won eighty eight million. Is this that
1: time. is that is that worse than the covert subversion and destruction of the republic right now?
2: Um, I suppose it would be open, but I, I, I yeah, I prefer an open banana republic than a fake one. Yes, that is true. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, Sophie Liv says, I hope Vivek and Trump will have at least one debate against each other. That would be fire. Yeah, they're not really going after each other, which sort of lends credence to the whole VP pick. Yeah. Type Trump, Trump won't show up the
1: debates either. He said
2: that. Yeah. Um, interesting about Vivek, how much of the young vote is attracting, which has always been difficult for the conservative movement. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's another angle there, which is I- I'm just increasingly turning away from the boomers as a political yes. solution to anything yeah. because they think in TV terms and they think in sound bites. And- the wrong paradigm. And you you just notice in real life that there's this sort of weird inversion that sort of happened in the last couple of years where boomers are like children yes. and you, you have to protect them from uncomfortable truths and hide what's going on in the world.
1: When I've done GB News against the Boomer before, they just get really offended and they can't comprehend that I'm stepping outside their heuristic of what makes good life. It's like, what? You don't just want yes. the freedom to be anything. It's like, no, actually, I like I wouldn't pick a wife that wouldn't want to stay home. And It just doesn't compute. Yes. It, it's, it's like speaking in code to them. It's just, it's. I'm back yeah. on back on, back on that
2: tomorrow, by the way, if you want to see me destroy more boomers. There's but, 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 bug. but more, yeah, I mean, that'd be brilliant. But more than that, they, they just don't get the world anymore. No. They can't see it. Because, because for the Boomer, the, the TV is a primary sense organ. And, and it has been co-opted. Well, that's good. That's a good phrase, actually. I? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, but this is this is this well, is why well, Vivek's not... winning over the younger vote. He's engaging with the alternative media, which is the successful way to do it.
2: So my point there is 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 like for dogs, the the nose is a primary sense organ. If the eyes and the nose disagree, they go with the nose. And again, with the boomers, if if what they see in real life disagrees with what they see on TV, they pick the TV. So so thus it's a primary sense organ for that's them. Fantastic, Quinn. That one. yeah. Do you want to do a couple from your last segment?
1: Yeah, absolutely can. Uh, Lord Nerevar, BRB, revving my car as much as possible to offset Nick zero tactics. Well, if taxes get any higher, I think you'll probably burn a tyre and eat (laughs) the steak. Yeah, yeah. Don't do what Nelson Mandela said. Yeah. Um, Omar Awad. Absolute zero must have been written by AI because it's impossible to be literate and maintain that level of disconnectivity to what the words you're actually saying actually mean. No, no, they're just encoding it. They're hiding the ball. That's it. They're just lying to you. There's so many contradictions. You'd need different people to write each paragraph yeah. without having read what went before. No food, material, industry, trade or travel. Don't worry. We'll power our nothing with renewable energy. Um, California refugee with the net zero environmental cultist I've got a little backlog of tidbits on it coming to a video comment near you soon very welcome but one interesting thing is that focusing on carbon is like having smallpox and trying to solve it by just covering up the pox themselves with with soothing balms and makeup instead of using medication Um, yeah pretty much uh Sophie Liv, just finally. Well, I know what my dinner is going to be tonight, Connor. I'm going to find me the biggest steak I can possibly find. And it's going to be cooked rare so I can see all the blood flowing while I eat it. Based. Same here. Big Kennergy. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Lovely to be back, Dan. Um, Good I'm, to have you back. Yeah, I'm off loan from the Yankees now, but I'll probably go back and visit at some point and always love being on with you, mate. So don't, don't uh,
2: get stuck over there. Come back to us every time.
1: We'll see. Anyway, enjoy Barbie, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, we're back tomorrow at one o'clock. Bye. See you guys.